VGMP. Bum, 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 bum. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for one of our extra special VGMP retro episodes. This is where we take you fine, ladies and gentlemen, back in time to experience VGMP from its pre-Impala days. Back in the dark times when we were an independent show without a place to call home. Struggling! against the world you're about to hear a specially updated version of our episode stay alive stay alive is a 2006 horror movie starring mr malcolm in the middle himself frankie Frankie muniz it's also the big horror movie video game movie with alice krieg in it from 2006 literally no one cares because that's also a lie (laughs) It's the big one. No, she was cut, so it's a lie. But she was in. She it. was in Silent Hill, which is a much bigger film. But she was much also better in film. It. This isn't a good film, by the way. I know we. Sh- I know we should be. In- I know we should be encouraging you to listen to the episode. And I do encourage that you listen to the episode so you can hear exactly why. This it, arguably this film is the type of film VGMP was made for. Allow us to watch the film for you, so you don't have to. Yes, but we were searching, and we continue to try and search for very good video game movies, of which we found fifteen so far. Yeah, well, this wasn't it. This wasn't. This wasn't the one, Doug. No. This is a. Uh, it's a very two thousands movie. It's so two thousand late. You will. Uh, you will hear when you listen to the episode. This film. Could not have been made in any time period other than the 2000s. What I will say is, if you want to check out the references I mentioned in the episode and see some of the visuals for yourself, you can go to www.vgmovie.co.uk and you'll find that there's a reference blog there for this movie, so you can see where it references video games on the few occasions that it actually does. But other than that, it's garbage. (laughs) If you do want to discuss your views on Stay Alive, you can join our Discord. Go to www.vgmovie.co.uk. I will not be discussing this movie with anybody. I would like to pretend this movie does not exist, quite frankly. If you go to www.vgmovie.co.uk, you can find a link to our Discord and you can dive in for a conversation with us. Um, There's people there it's relatively active we want it to be more active we want more discussion and we will discuss stay alive with you if you so wish even if jamie will jamie is not ecstatic at the idea this was a horror film i decided to put it second on the list because a it was at this point even though it was only our second episode it was the closest to halloween and i wanted to placate jamie with a horror movie didn't work (laughs) looks like i chose poorly (laughs) (laughs) Never mind. Anyway, we hope you enjoyed the episode. It's been given some remastering jiggery-pokery, and I think it's a much better version than we initially had. Now on with the show. Welcome to uh, Video Game, the movie, the podcast, with myself, Rory Jocelyn of Cyberpunk Studios, and with me is Jamie Evans from Impala Films. Help me. Look, I'm showing you all the best stuff. We started off with Super Mario Brothers, the movie, and we're moving on to a film that's very different. Uh, now, you're a big horror aficionado, mm-hmm. and I know you loved horror, so mm-hmm. I found mm-hmm. a video game-based movie, or kind of relatively video gamey. that's also a horror called Stay Alive. Mm. Now, for anyone who's not aware of the idea of the show, we're just going to try and go through every single video game movie, TV show adaptation, and basically say whether or not it's worth your time. That means poor Jamie suffering through an awful lot of hot garbage. As I say, we... We've done the Super Mario Brothers movie the previous week, which is not hot garbage, but he believes it is. And anyone who says it is is wrong. Anyway, that's a type of movie which is a film specifically based on one particular franchise. We're going to do something slightly different for this episode, where we're going to do a film that is referencing video games very specifically, but is not about a specific existing video game. No, it's about a fictional one. Yes. Now, there are some references to real video games in there, but obviously, for the most part, it's kind of more... I'd say it's more... Should we, we could probably classify it more as a gamer culture film rather mm. than being a video game adaptation in and of itself. Because yes. there's no video game it's adapting, but it is about gamers and gamer culture. 
but it's not a documentary, it's a fictional horror film. So we're going to do this in sequence, we're going to talk about the story, we're going to talk about the visuals, we're going to talk about the audio, and then we're going to go through a couple of the references that the film has, because this film has very few, but it does have a few worth mentioning. We're going to start with the story. The film starts off with loads of jump scares with a man, a guy called Loomis. He's playing a video game where he has to break into this creepy house and try and find out what's going on. He gets murdered in the game by getting pushed off by, like, demon babies off of a balcony and getting hung to death in the video game. This freaks him out because, for some reason, playing video games scares people nowadays, and it's not PT. Let's be clear, this is not PT. There's no reason they should be that afraid of being killed in a cheesy horror video game. Mm. He then goes to see his friends in the other room to try and sort of calm his nerves. His two friends, a man and a woman, are having coitus in the other room. Yes, banging a mash. And the guys bang, 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 bang. But the guys wearing a the guys wearing a pig mask. Hey, don't kink shame. Literally like pigs and shit. He goes back and he starts hearing this haunting, which is it happens throughout the whole film. It gets quite monotonous after a while. It's meant to be the sound of a video game controller vibrating on a hard surface. After watching it again, because you watched it with me, you downloaded a copy, we did it for your Jamie, Your Film Taste Sucks podcast, and it was 4 by 3 and it was hard to see. I now have the uncut German DVD, because there is no Blu-ray. Of course there's no Blu-ray. Who would put this movie on Blu-ray? Why would they release an uncut version on DVD? But there you go. Which is 16 by 9 so you get much more framing. It's a little bit easier to see, but not by much, because the whole film is way too dark. And the audio is a bit clearer, so you actually get a lot more showing that it's meant to be a controller vibrating. But it's the same noise repeated every time. So it gets really monotonous every time there's one. It's throughout the sound section. Yeah, all right, mate, I get it. It's like, find a haunting sound that actually scares me, not that annoys me. Yeah, he gets scared that he's going to get murdered. He runs back to his friend's room for solace, and they've been murdered in their room. And then he ends up falling backwards off his balcony and being hung to death in the hallway the way he died in the game. That gives you basically the basic setup. When you play this particular video game you will die the way you died in the game. Yeah. There's five main characters. You have Hutch, who is the blandest man in the universe, who is our heroic male lead. You have Abigail, who is kind of his the blonde-haired love interest, and she's a photographer. You have October, who is the hot goth chick. You have their friend, who I don't remember the name of, who is essentially a stoner, but in the theatrical cut you can't tell he's a stoner because they cut all these stoner references out um, he's the one played by one of the McPoyle twins from Always Sunny in Philadelphia that's the one yeah but in, in the uncut version you actually see him at one point when they think he's dead he then gets up and he's got literally the world's largest bong that he's taking a big hit out of and you've got the the most famous person in the whole film Frankie Muniz Frankie Muniz the only other person we recognised other than the stoner Frankie Muniz is the first friend of that group who isn't part of the main team, really. When they decide to play the video game the guy died playing, just, like, in memory of, they're all playing in one room on one big, large LCD TV. Five players on one screen, all first person, but there's no... It's not split screen. There's no explanation of how they've managed to do that. It's just... They don't show you that. They don't show you how the meat is made. But there's one guy who's playing on his own in an office somewhere with them online. And that guy's played by the guy who is Chandler's roommate temporarily in Friends. Eddie. Eddie, who ends up being a bit of a psycho. To be fair, the girl who plays October, although I wasn't familiar with her, she's one of these actresses who was big... On you know one of these shows like either the OC or nine oh two one oh one of we them. Watch, yeah. And the guy who dies at the beginning is actually Milo Ventimiglia, who later went on to be big in Heroes. Okay, I haven't watched that either. No. Fair enough. Okay, so good for the kids. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the fact you knew the characters. Be honest, you went and looked up the character names, didn't you? No, because I, while the... I was taking my notes, I, I just wrote him as Guy. You can see there, Guy. And then later on in the film, someone mentioned that his name was Loomis. So I thought oh, I better reference that earlier on. So I crossed it out in red and put Loomis. Fair enough. So cause... you can see that I didn't remember his name at first. <laughs> at all. No, I'm going to say name. when I watched this film. I mean, it's been about a week. Lucky boy. And I, I immediately forgot everyone's name except oh, yeah. October. I was going to call her. Yeah, October's the only one I remembered because she's it, hot. Well, she's hot, but it's also a, it's an unusual name. Yeah. So it sticks out. Well, Hutch, 
I was gonna. I, literally, there's a final version of this where I've put a note where I call him Jacob. Yeah, lead is so bland. I shall call him Jacob, like a Jacob's cracker, because he is literally so bland. There is no personality to that biscuit. Offensive to Jacobs. You've got all of these characters in there. They're all friends. Oh yeah, there's something weird. So when Loomis dies, Hutch is his best friend. He goes to the funeral. And there's this line said by Abigail. At this point, Abigail doesn't know anyone. She's invited to the party because she gets close to Hutch in the funeral scene. She's taking photos of crying people because that's what you do at a funeral, apparently, on an old Polaroid camera. I don't know why she didn't have a digital camera, but there you go. She comes up to him afterwards and says, and this is a quote, so many crying faces at this funeral, but yours seems to be the saddest, but you weren't crying. Now, a few things. Number one... Exposition. Yes, but number two, so many crying faces at this funeral, yours seems to be the saddest, but you weren't crying. So how did he seem sadder without crying? Well, this is the thing. It's was one it of those like pretentious a... writing things where they're trying to get over, you know, crying's like a fake form of sadness, and this man is wounded on a deep, soulful level. No, no. Your no. acting's terrible, your filmmaking's terrible, and you needed to get across the fact he was sad, but your actor isn't able to cry. Absolutely, okay. that's the one. But and then you go, well, he's the saddest, but you know the mum and the family are all there, but it hit him hardest. Yeah, balls. And he even says at some point, like, I hadn't seen him for months. Oh, so he really fucking cared. The that audience was... needs to be made aware of one thing here that pretty much will sum up anything we can say. This is a mid two thousands. American horror film. They're all this generic. It's a post saw bland awful colour palette where everything is tinted a pale green for some reason mm. like daylight looks like it is the we'll front come cover to that in visuals but yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll cover the, the the look of this film so we've got that however when she says that he's the saddest you sit there going come on he's got mum and dad there Loomis's sister comes along to give Hutch the game goes well we were good dad was just going to bin it so I thought well you're his friend and you like games so maybe you'd appreciate it as a keepsake mm. right the sister does not seem to care or have any emotional reaction to the fact that her brother is dead She's literally just reading lines as if they're on a plaque behind Hutch, which they probably were when she was saying them. I was going to say, they probably were. And he's like, I'm so sorry for your loss. And she's like, yeah, right, cuddle time, thanks. And then she's gone. There is no grief in this scene. The biggest grieving scene and no one's grieving. So I mentioned that there's the hot goth chick. We first see her October at the computer shop. Now, in the early to mid-2000s, people might not know this now in general but there was a lot of what they called internet cafes now people have really fast internet connections at home and no issue but during the early to mid 2000s broadband was only really just coming in so most people's was dial up they didn't want to spend their own home phone bill to do it so they'd go to internet cafes actual cafe set up with lots of rows of pcs where you'd game it was kind of an environment i think for nerds to just nerd out there were no hot goth chicks in internet cafes yeah to be fair i'm going to defend the movie on this point, which is, I like having attractive ladies in my movie. I like that. Reality but she's not rea- be damned. <laughs> it's not real. Reality be there. As we've established on my other podcast, realism ain't my bag, man. Look, here's the thing. I wish that there were hot goth chicks whenever I went anywhere, and they never bloody were. So <laughs> it's more that I'm I am jealous of the men in this film that my, they had a hot goth chick just chilling out in the most random of places. My, my anger knows no bounds. Absolutely. So in the uncut version, there's a few things that have been changed. There's a lot of inappropriate things that the guy from Moss's thing says to his sister, the the stoner guy. Oh yeah, the guy from um, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah, like even in the theatrical cut. At first, I didn't realise they were brother and sister. Yeah, because their relationship. He's a bit flirty, isn't he? Yeah, and. He touches her quite a lot, I think. He says innuendos to her, and not in a kind of, oh, this will piss you off, kind of in a, oh, what do you think of that, darling? And she's the one who's basically saying, it's disgusting to have my brother say that. Dude, don't do not do that with your sister. And they hang out all the time. Like, I don't know if it's just me and my family have a weird relationship, but 
I don't think I don't brothers hang and out sisters my... hang out 24-7. No, but this happens in American stuff all the time. And I don't know if it's just because that's their culture or if it's just balls that their media puts in to mm. make their stories somehow work. But, you know, is it is it real or is it not? Amer- any Americans out there listening, please let us know. Do you actually chill out with your brother and sister 24-7? So they go to play the game at Hutch's house or at Hutch's flat. Now, (laughs) so this is where... That was a weird laugh. Yeah, so Malcolm from Malcolm Minimal enters in the scene here and he's wearing that poker hat, but wrongly. Yeah, was Um, there ever, in your version, was there an explanation for why he's wearing it? No, though there are a few lines that were cut from the theatrical version which actually make the theatrical version age a bit better. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. So, yeah, he's not only got the cap, that's weird, he puts on this arm brace so he doesn't get repetitive strain in his wrist when he's playing games on his laptop, Sensible, sensible. So he's putting on this arm brace, and the stoner guy says to him... Hang on, I want to predict this. It's some kind of wanking-related joke, isn't it? Nope. No. No. Oh, go ahead. No, if, if only it were that witty. No, he literally goes, why are you wearing that? The strap smells, and it's gay. It's Wait, not what? It's, yeah, there's no wit to it. There's no, and he, in, it's only in the uncut, ver, uncut version he says it. But yeah, he just goes. That basically, this guy's wrist strap is gay. Taking responsibility <laughs> to protect yourself against injury. That's totally gay, dude. Yeah, that's only what gays do. Yeah. It's like, what the f- <laughs> so God. yeah, yeah. So that hasn't aged. But what has really not aged very well? God, the mid two thousands. Oh, I know it was garbage trends, right? So, this. <laughs> what's even worse is this scene was completely cut from the theatrical version. You've not seen any of this. Oh, oh, right? go on. So there's a moment where Abigail says, "Oh, I just need to use the toilet." Uh, Hodge goes, oh, it's just over there, and she walks out. I'm not sure if that happens in the theatrical cut. However, this whole sequence doesn't happen in the theatrical cut. Mm-hmm. Hodge then remembers that there's no toilet paper in the toilet. So right. So, so he's like, oh, I've got to get us some bog roll. Oh, no. So he gets some toilet roll, knocks on the door, and he's like, sorry, I just remembered that there's no toilet paper in there. And she's like, oh, that's fine. I, I can get some from under the sink. And he's like, yeah, that's the thing. There isn't any under the sink. I forgot to put it in there. But I've got some in my hand. I can hand it to you through the door if you like. And she's like, oh, that's weird. Uh, Okay, then. So she unlocks the door, opens the door a crack. And the thing is, the door opens with a full view of the toilet. That she's sitting there. She's got her trousers and her knickers around her ankles, right? And she's kind of covering herself like, oh, can I just have the thing? He's like, yeah, that's fine. He hands her the bog roll. And then there's this really awkward moment where the camera starts off on her lower legs and feet and slowly pans up on her nudity as she's like trying to cover herself and she's just like what are you why are you looking and it's a slow pan and then it cuts back to him with that sort of a gormless like oh that's so hot face i'm like really? a woman on the toilet is hot what that, that is a director with a toilet fetish we don't kink shame here but no for the love of god don't put it in your we, film. we don't need it in the film no that, i literally i haven't seen the scene and i feel skeevy yeah so he says this the weird toilet paper moment i caught i put it on here because it just is odd he's paused and she doesn't find it creepy she's like what are you doing you're so weird no, no, I don't think that's how a woman reacts in this scenario. Now, you said you don't care about realism when I said there's a goth chick in the thing. I think you could agree. This might be where it pushes the line. Yep, yep I agree. <laughs> I agree. He then goes, oh, sorry about that. She closes the door to continue to do what she needs to do. Tinkle. Yep. You'd think he'd walk off. Does he listen? No. He stands up and goes, me and October met when... Uh, we were playing Unreal Tournament. Do you remember Unreal Tournament? It's like, dude, don't chat to her about Unreal Tournament and your friend October while she's having a poo. Like, this is not... This isn't the time. But that's a reference that was cut. So, thankfully, Unreal Tournament was added back in. Now, when they get to playing the game, when they first turn the game on, there's a chant, like an enchantment, mm. that they have to read. And it turns out that it's voice activated. There is no explanation of how voice activation is working or if they've got any mics or anything, but I'm guessing... the Supernatural. uh, Supernatural voice listening. Someone goes, oh, it must be voice activated. Frankie Muniz says, voice activated? No way. That's next generation technology. Right? So they're playing it on a PC at this point in 2005, 2006. At the end of the film, the 
game is released on PS2. Spoiler alert for the end, but we were going to do that anyway later. So we know that PS2 exists at this point in this world. We know that they're playing it on PCs and Alienware PCs specifically. That's happening in this world. These things had voice recognition technology, and I know they did. And here's how I know they did. PS2 had a game called Seaman. So did the Dreamcast. And I have Seaman on the Dreamcast with the microphone. It's voice-activated technology. It was If it existed on the Dreamcast, it's not next-generation technology to the PlayStation 2. It just isn't. No. Was Nintendo DS out in 2006? Because Nintendo DS had voice features on it as well. Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. So it was it was just something added in to try and make it like, wow, this is so futuristic. I, I doth believe this movie was made by someone who doth not play video games. Yeah, or someone trying to be that, more edgy than they knew. And you know, about. Be- between that, the fact that later on we'll get to this later on, but all the props are just dirt cheap, old gen props. Yep. And the fact that, as you mentioned already. They're somehow playing five-player co-op on one screen, all from a pers- all from a first-person perspective. Um, although the the game seems to change, doesn't it? Sometimes it's a third-person perspective, and sometimes it's first-person. Yep. Um, which I'm not saying has never happened. Resident Evil Dead Aim did that. Yeah, but um, but you've got um, there's no split screen, like you said. They're all no. playing on one telly, but somehow all watching their own characters. That's it. And the thing is, they had a supervisor for the video game segments in Cliff Blazinski, the guy who made Gears of War. Mm. I'm sure he must have known more than what they put in the film. They just went, eh, it'll look better this way. Anyway, there's another cut bit. That makes no sense. So after they play the game for a bit, the only guy that dies is the guy in the office. They all turn off the game the next morning. They're like, oh, man, that was a really long sesh. It's a wild night, dude. Oh, to Loomis, you know, because, you know, we played the game for him, apparently. There is an odd addition by Frankie Muniz that never gets referenced again, and you never see the effects of it. Mm. He turns to the stoner guy right at the end after having a bit of a, you know, banterous sesh with the stoner guy. Turns to him and goes... Hey guys, I found the nude code. It's up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A. Now that code is... That's the, the Konami code. That's the Konami code. Now that was cut out of the theatrical version, so it, but, which was a nice reference, but it made no sense because he just turns to the stone and goes, hey, I, I found the nude code is this, and he, the guy seems to put it in and he's like, oh, wow. Nude. It's like, what are you looking at that's nude? You're playing as a guy for one thing, so you're just looking at tackle. And number two, the only other things you're watching are dead. So, <laughs> I, w- I like nude corpses. I, I, w- I would say that that wouldn't happen, but being a Resident Evil fan, people... Like, don't get me wrong, I'm a sick individual. I get it when people nude mod Jill Valentine and Claire Redfield. It makes sense to me. You know, fine. I don't get it, they're animated, but fine. What I don't understand, but is a very popular mod, is nude nemesis. And nude zombie, and, and when I say oh. nude nemesis, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you weren't intending this to be PG. I'm talking nude nemesis with a solid twelve-inch erect cock. Erect. Erect. I mean, how are you running? Jutting, jutting straight out of his body at a right angle. You sure it's the third arm? I mean, he's a mutant. <laughs> they've also nude modded Wesker. Oh. Um, uh, Krauser. Um, it's not near. It's Leon. Not, it's, no. All erect. But those are mods. All I mean, this is thick they... and pulsing. Okay, fine. But those are mods done by a, an overly thirsty fan community, right? Oh no, no. But I was just saying, people want to see this. Is what no, I'm I get it. But, but I, you're right. But it, they would. The developers wouldn't put this in. The developer wouldn't put it in. And like, how would he have found it? Because the writer of this game does not play video games. Went online. I was like, what are some video game references we could do? Oh, Konami Code. Um. Either that or it's something he got off Cliff Blazinski and it was the only fucking advice he took. So Hutch goes back to work the next day and Miller, the guy who they've been playing with and got killed in the office, the police are there looming over his body. There's a black and a white detective who are working together on the murder. They sit him down and goes, oh, you hang on, you were speaking to him last night. He's like, yeah, no, I was at home and we were playing online with this, that and the other. And he was, he was like, have you got anyone who can corroborate your story? He's like, yeah, I was there with four of my friends. The black detective turns to the white detective. I don't remember their names either. Turns to the white detective and goes, make sure we get those names. Oh. The white detective nods, and then the black guy turns back to converse with Harch, but never asks him for the names. Like, well, yeah. if you want the names, get them from that guy. I do remember the detective had a funny name. Did he? It I was something like Detective 
Beauregard or something. Oh like yeah, that. it was like Beauregard or something. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm Beauregard. There's a point where Abigail tries to light something with a lighter, and it triggers Hutch. Trigger alert! I say trigger. <laughs> um, and it triggers him a bit, and she goes, "Oh, sorry." And he's like, "No, don't worry, sorry. I've got a thing with fire. It's no big deal." Yeah, I remember there's a scene I've got a where thing you see with him fire. take his shirt off and he's got scars. Yes. Because his house burnt down or yes. something. Yes, that's fine. But, I mean, I qu- that's a quote. I've got a thing with fire, it's no big deal. I don't think that's fit. a line you would use. Yeah, that joins... We forgot to say this in the Super Mario episode, but I think we should start like keeping track of this. Sure. That That is... That joins from Super Mario, our collection of worst lines ever... Which in Super Mario was Daisy being like, um, oh, that's from when I was found. Oh, yeah. I'm adopted, by the way, or yes. whatever it was. When they're said. at the dinner table, yeah. yeah. With people she's just met. Yeah. Yeah, I was abandoned, ain't no. But she <laughs> says it with such a sunny. Yeah, it's that... Oh, guys, I was abandoned. Yeah. I was abandoned. Yeah. <laughs> Origin story. And yeah. that's what this is like. Yeah. yeah. I have a thing with fire. fire. It's no big deal. Uh, I think that also goes with so many crying faces at this funeral. Yours seem to be the saddest, but you weren't crying. Terrible lions. So while Hutch is trying to investigate certain things at his workplace, there is a Sadako there, and I call it a Sadako or a Samara if you like. All of the zombie girls look like Sadako or Samara where they're just in a white gown with long black hair covering their zombie faces. It's a Sadako. It is a Sadako. It's literally just that. There's no originality in this piece at all. As more and more of them die... Multiple people end up getting stabbed with shears, but uh, the cops aren't looking for a serial killer at that point. Mm. And they always go, shears, hmm, it's very similar to the other one. Uh, well, I don't know who this who could have committed this. Like, probably the same guy? The guy you didn't catch the last bloody time? But they do eventually put the pieces together. The brother, Finn, that's the name of the stoner, Finn. There's a point where he's playing the game by himself, and he doesn't die in the game yet, but he's on this creepy road and he hides behind a tree in the game. The guys stop him playing and like, no, you've got to stop playing because, you know, they, they've kind of figured out that if you die in the game, you die in real life. Mm. And he doesn't believe it. He goes out for a drive in his sports car. It's a, like some sort of... Mustang, Sally. Yeah, it's not a Mustang. It's uh Ferrari, isn't it? No, it's not. It's, it, it has a similar look to that, but it's definitely a muscle car. It says on the back... Dodge? Is it a Corvette, I think it is. Corvette. I think it's a Corvette. He's, yeah, it's, it begins with a C for definite. So he goes out in his Corvette and he sees a dead girl on the road... Like, from the game. It freaks him out and he swerves. But he doesn't hit a tree, because I don't think they could afford to write the car off. So he just (laughs) breaks in time, gets out a bit worried. And then the guys call him to say, look, just whatever you do, the game's starting to play itself, I think. You need to, you know, be safe. So he walks along this empty highway, the sound of clopping hooves from horses coming towards him. He doesn't get back in the car. And they're like, just wait there, we'll come and get you. Go back in the car then. Yeah, exactly. Wait in the car. He never gets back in the car. So that's a dumb move from him. So Finn gets killed, basically, mm-hmm. at that point. And the cops are on Hutch again, going, oh, you just happened to be at the crime scene again when this guy died. Hutch picks up a pink folder that the police have with information and literally slams it on Detective Beauregard's chest. And I'm just like, well, hang on, calm down, son. You're going to be arrested for that. Just assault a police officer just for the fun of it. The white police officer plays the game again while uh, Frankie Muniz tries to tell him not to. He basically tells Frankie Muniz to go stop being such a, a libtard and <laughs> continues playing. I hate that term. This, <laughs> but yeah, he plays the game, gets killed in the game, just goes, oh, it's a naff game, not familiar, and walks off all proud of himself. October the goth chick says to Hutch, because her brother's just died, she's weeping, she says... Why'd you have to bring that game into our lives, Hutch? Like he knew. Like, yeah. At what point could you guess that? At least we're finally getting someone showing some emotion in this She's film. the only one who does, and she's meant to be the soulless goth. Yeah. It's like she's the only one showing any actual emotion. See you after the break. The cop 
goes to the store to ask a village idiot about what he knows about the game. I don't know why he doesn't look on Google or do any sort of actual research. He just goes into a store. There's some office nut druggy Burke working the store register. He's like, have you heard about this game? I don't know. It could be like on the cover and stuff. And he's like, well, you're a moron. And then he just calls him up and goes, no, I can't find any information. Is that... You're not really a cop, are you? You're not really... A, you can't, I don't think you can call yourself a detective if that's all you've got. You're not detecting, damn you. No, exactly. He then gets into his car and he's murdered the same way as he is in the game. Now, in the uncut version, the way he's killed in the game is sort of strapped to this chair. These metal claws go into his mouth and pull his head apart. And, Very Hellraiser. Yeah, and in the CGI segment in the uncut version, you actually see the character's head get pulled into two. Mm. So it's much more gory, though it is still the CGI that's doing it, not the man. When the man dies, there is no difference between the uncut and the theatrical version. The things go in his mouth, start to pull, he goes, Aah! and then you just see the exploding head of blood all over the windscreen from the interior. Now they've shown the head being pulled apart in the CGI, I was kind of hoping for something more along those lines from the reality, but that didn't happen. Here's a deleted scene. So in the in-cut version, they go to the address where Loomis got the game from, and they speak to the developer. That version isn't in the theatrical version, but the developer's not not much use, to be honest. And then he sends them to a southern drawl speaking librarian or historian who just sits there and goes this game is based on this I can't do a southern rural but it's, it's just all based on Elizabeth Bathory yeah it? basically so it goes into all of that so yeah after all that point October goes into a house by herself as she fucking do and gets killed October tries to kill Bathory using a nail gun but gets killed because she becomes useless as soon as the bullets don't work the wrist strap is gay line is mentioned again to Frankie, like it's, it's mentioned twice, two or three times throughout the film, and it's just like I understand that gay was used as a legit insult, not against homosexuality, but just as gay equals bad. Yeah, when I was at school, yeah. it was always like, oh my god, you're gay, that's so but, gay. Yeah, oh my but god, gay. the thing is, even if you were to use it, you have to use it in a way that's either witty or makes any form of sense. Wrist strap mm. is gay, is not either of those things. So they go to the developer's house. We're on the end run of this now they go and they go to the house to basically find out what's going on the developer is now dead and swink has to help hutch swink sorry is the name of uh, frankie muniz has to help swink. H- swink he has to help hutch get to the loft to yeah. save abigail from being murdered and we find out that he can drop items in the game and they'll appear in the real world for hutch to use yeah that's never capitalized on but would have been a really cool element to advance the story had they used it properly. Because as a concept, it's very good. It's very much like Friday the... Uh, not Friday the... Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Street, where you can pull things out from the dream world into the real world. Yeah. But they never capitalise on it. It's literally just used to ramp up tension in that one moment and then never used again. Yeah. Developer's already dead. And then while Swink is trying to basically play the game in the van to basically keep the game occupied while they investigate the house... He's going to get killed anyway. So all the rules of the game get thrown out the window. Yeah, because the um, the whole the idea is... locks itself, doesn't it, to yes. stop him playing. And he manages to just about save himself, but then he has to go on the run. And he shouts, Bitch, that's cheating! I'm not dead yet! And all I can think of is the ending part of the intro to Malcolm in the Middle, where it goes, Life is unfair. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, there is no logical consistency to the story of this film. They go in, they have to murder her. I'll just skip the rest of this because most of it's balls. Because most of it's exposition. There's just unnecessary tension to build exposition. There is a few things, though. There's a point where Abigail and Hutch are separated by a door. Hutch has to continue on to kill Bathory, Mm. and Bathory is coming to kill Abigail. And Abigail's got one rose, and she spends the whole time plucking the flipping things off, literally going, he loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. I'm like, isn't that reducing the power of your flower? Like, yeah. surely you need all of those you can take her out in one go. But yeah. now you're just doing that. You're kind of just singeing her feet a little bit as she comes towards. It's doing nothing of value. Ah, oh, this is in the uncut version as well. Uh, while Hutch is, for some reason, taking the longest period of time in the universe to kill Elizabeth Bathory, he's got the nail on her head as he's about to do it. Abigail is being tortured by Elizabeth Bathory and she strings her up and it's stated that she drinks the blood of virgins or the blood of young girls in order to stay young. 
But in the uncut version, after she strings her up and just before Hutch stops anything, Elizabeth Bathory strings her up and then takes off all of her own clothes. So, but there was no mention. Like, I can understand if you bathe in the blood of Virgin, but that's never mentioned. So, uh, I would guess there's two explanations behind that. Explanation one, which gives the director the benefit of the doubt, is the actual legend of Elizabeth Bathory, the real world, like our real yeah. world legend. She does bathe in the blood. And right. to be fair, there is a shot. I remember there being a shot in the game early on where you do see her in a bathtub full of blood. Right. Okay. So maybe that's but, my bad then. But but not giving the director credit because this isn't the same director thought that we wanted a piece in <laughs> um the director just wants to see butts and boobs yeah so they defeat her with a rose but they have to set the room on fire hutch has a, a mild panic attack and is saved by both swink and abigail and all is well that ends well and then right at the very end the very last shot they seem to have won the day she's dead and then somehow despite the fact that everyone who plays it dies the game passes... Peggy? Peggy. Peggy 16. Peggy 18. Yeah. <laughs> it passes the Peggy ratings, and it also gets approval from Sony to release it on the PlayStation 2. Yeah. And you're like, who survived long enough to approve it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, that's the thing. And the whole thing's like, oh, the haunting will continue. So, isn't she dead dead now, though? Is that not the... Yeah. I don't, I don't get it. The, the, so, this yeah. film is so bad. Yeah, it has no logical consistency anywhere across it. It's a bad, bad film. It's just bad. There's there's nothing, in my opinion, there is literally not one single redeeming thing about this movie. Apart from October. No, even her. Oh, not enough for you. No. No, fair enough. Like, not enough to make this film watchable. I will never, ever, Oh, I ever, see what you ever, mean. Ever, okay, ever, no, fair ever. enough. I'll agree with you on that. Yeah. yeah, I will never, ever, ever watch this movie again, ever. Not even I, the uncovered. I would rather crack the disc and <laughs> gouge my own eyeballs out with the remnants than watch this film again. <laughs> so it so is, you don't like it, just trying to be clear. It's so <laughs> bad. The characters are bland, they're boring, they're unpleasant. Like, yeah. I don't want any of them to survive. No. The villain is not fleshed out enough to be interesting. She isn't scary. No. The The graphics of the game... Fair enough, it's 2006, game graphics were not that good. No, let, let's talk about the visuals now, because I think this is a good place to cut it in. Right. So we'll start with the CGI animation, right? This So it's very PS2-era intro cutscene, isn't it? Yeah, but the thing is, there are games from that era that were scary. Silent Hill 2, people. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? But this Silent is Hill 1 not. was scary. Oh, that was PlayStation 1 as well. It wasn't yeah. even PlayStation 2 level. Yeah. Res yeah. The old Resident Evils were scary. Bear in mind, it's a film. This but is the thing. we're it's... talking about the graphical quality. So this was released in 2006. So let's say it was made in 2005, yeah. just to give it an extra year of patience, right? Think about it this way. CGI graphics for a horror film funded by Buena Vista slash Disney, right? You would have had a decent enough budget to do something with the CGI, you would have thought. PS2 intro cutscene with the blotion blur of the PS2's emotion engine chip, is not acceptable. Mm. To put it this way, in 2007, Final Fantasy Advent Children came out. And that looks gorgeous. Yes. I mean, I hate that film, but there's no denying it looks incredible. I'm fairly certain 2005 is when Resident Evil Degeneration came out. Yes, I believe it is. And I think 2003 was when Final Fantasy um, Spirits, Spirits Within. Within came out, which looks better, even though it's, everyone's Goodness. bald. It's, it still looks way better than CGI in this film. Yeah. And there was a lot more of it because the whole thing was CGI. Anything Pixar looks yeah. pretty much better but than it's, it's CGI It's just in an ill-conceived film. film. It's yeah. essentially a Nightmare on Elm Street, just swap dreams for video game yep and swap all creativity for generic mid-2000s bland yeah now you've got here's the thing so the cgi looks awful mm. undeniably terrible even for the era even for the budget it looks horrendous then you've got the actual live action shots which pr comprise most of the film and you already stated quite rightfully so to be honest that everything has that blue-green tint over the top of it yeah. to try and make it more edgy 2000s. That was a big... i tell you what film I've always blamed for that. 
is the sure. Matrix sequels. Oh, where they green-toned everything. Yeah, yeah, after those Matrix sequels, which, to be fair, I'll, I'll give the Wachowskis this, there was a point to the green tone in those films. Because yeah. the green tone only exists when they're in the Matrix. That's right, and it's more purple tone outside of that, isn't it? Yeah. But every I other think film... the first Matrix did it better than the sequels. Oh, 100%. Yeah. But every other film since missed that point and just went, green filters on everything. And it looks ugly. Now, if you're going to shoot day for night, mm. you have to understand where you can angle your camera and what amount of sky and what type of sky you can put in your shot. Yeah. Now, there's the sequence where October goes into the abandoned building by herself. She's outside having a smoke. She sees a haunting. She walks into this abandoned building by herself, gets murdered in there. The other guys come out to look for her, noticing that she's not with them. And they're outside for a considerable amount of time and then realise where she is trying to break into save her and file. That whole outside sequence has to be, I think, one of the worst-looking sequences. Not because it's badly shot per se, but because not only did they blue-tone it like they did the rest of the film, but they also tried to darken it so it looked like it was near a night-time. But it's very clearly, if you look at the sky, the middle of the bloody day. Yeah. The sky is way too bright for the darkness of the shot. So everything's super dark. You can't make out any details. It's just murky and shite. And most of this film, I think murky is probably a good tone for it. I agree. Any details that the camera might have picked up at, at a really nice level have been lost by the abuse of the colour palette and the darkening of the picture to try and make it seem in any way more cinematic or edgy. Mm. I'm sure if you did a new scan from the cinema negatives, why you'd need to for this film, I don't know, but if you were to do it, you could probably make a really quite nice-looking movie out of it. Because there are a couple of shots where the lighting looks really nice. When they're in the a computer shop and you've got all the red lights and they're mm. under the red lights, those shots actually look really quite nice because of the extreme lighting. If they'd done that across the whole film, I wouldn't have had a problem with it because at least you would have gone, right, but there was a purpose for it because you were going to light it extremely and then dial it down. But it's the only shot it really looks consistently good on because of the lighting employed. There is a time lapse. I'm not sure if it was in the theatrical cut, but after Finn dies, the, the stoner guy, there's a time lapse over the body as everything moves across and then the camera swoops in. I think it's extended, actually, in the uncut version. I think there's an element of it in the theatrical. And that shot is beautiful. Just, again, ruined by the dialing down of the colours. The deleted scene where they chat to the developer looks awful. And I mean, compared to the rest of the film, it looks awful. Probably why it was deleted. I'm not sure if it's that or if it was added in, like, sort of half-arsed, rather than going back to the source negatives as they do with director's cuts. I think maybe for this director's cut, what they did instead was they just went, well, we've got this shot, we scanned it once, we'll just kibosh it in. Because it looks horrendous. Oh, the creepy attic. When Abigail goes into the creepy attic on her own, it's the brightest the film ever gets. And it's meant to be a dark, dingy attic. Now, I don't have a problem with that, but it's just that the rest of the film is too dark. That scene is actually perfectly well lit. Dark, janky CGI. Yeah, it's just vile. They have an actress for Bathory only at the end. There's parts where she's in the real world, but she's all CGI. But at the end, they actually have an actress playing Bathory. But when you see Bathory's face in close-ups, it's the actress, but they've put, like, a really horrible CGI face over her face. Right. And it's like, why? Because they're not doing anything weird with it other than making her look pale, which they could have done with makeup. Yeah. So that all they've done is ruin the shot and make it look ridiculous. I feel quite bad for the audience because I want to, I want to say witty comments, but this film is so bad that it's hard to take the mick out of it. Because it's... You know, some films you take the mick out of them because you still recognise that the the filmmakers made a valiant effort. Yep. This film just feels sad. I feel sad. There was more of an effort with film. Super Mario Brothers, would you say? Yeah, this film has got... There is not one ounce of creativity in this movie. No. And so you would put this as worse than Super Mario Brothers? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Audio-wise, we'll just cut through that quickly. It has a 5.1 surround mix on the DVD. It's obnoxious, but it fits the tone of the rest of the film. None of this film is subtle, intelligent, well thought out, and so having a sound mix that matches any of those things yeah. would have been out of place. It's just obnoxious, but that bass-haunting sort of vibrating controller sound, mm. so annoying in surround sound. When Finn is killed by the wild horses, mm. you can hear their hooves clocking yeah. like in the treble, but there's no bass to it. 
So he gets run over, but it's really, it's quite a tinny death in audio. Oh, okay. And like, why isn't there any bass to that? We're just... Because he's dead. And you're like, really? You, you couldn't have put any more heft to that bit. Mm. It's serviceable for the most part. You can hear what they're saying. Not that anyone is saying anything of any value. Oh, no, no, I've got a thing with fire. It's no big deal. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah. Only, only half my body's covered in third degree burns. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Ain't, it's ain't all nothing. good. Ain't no thing but a chicken wing. I'll just go over the references quickly because there's not many of them because of the type of film it is. And they're all outdated, which is the interesting bit. Yeah, but I mean, they're dated kind of fair enough for the film, so I'll give it that. So in the very beginning, Loomis is on the phone to someone. I'm pretty certain it's Hutch. And he says, dude, you have to play this game. It's the scariest shit since Fatal Frame. Now, anyone who doesn't know what Fatal Frame is, it's a horror game where you have to use a camera to photograph villains. Which is interesting because there is a camera in this film with Abigail and she never uses it on any of the villains. It was released in Europe as uh, Project, Project Zero. Zero. I have got it. I've never gotten around to playing it. Yeah. Because I'm not going to lie, it Crim- looks terrifying. Yeah, I've got Crimson Butterfly, mm. uh, which was on the Xbox. Yeah, I've got uh, I think that's the second one. It is, yeah. Yeah, and that's a good game and that's terrifying as well. That scared me with the door closing when I mentioned that's how scary Fatal Frame is. Later on, I've already mentioned on the toilet when he says to Abigail while she's on the loo that he knows October from playing Unreal Tournament. I've mentioned the up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right be a Konami code as a nude code. Hubert is mentioned at one point. Someone is, I think someone's mentioned to be a Cubert champion or someone's just played Cubert a lot. But it's, it's a very quick and almost meaningless reference, really. And then the fact that Alienware, who obviously sponsored this film, they used a reflective plastic Alienware front fascia to a laptop. God, I forgot that bit. Yeah, to kill Elizabeth Bathory by making her see her real face. In the surface of a laptop. In the surface of a laptop by Alienware. Reflecting reducers since 2006, I've put here. The last part that I'll go into with references, because there isn't many others, is right at the end. So I mentioned right at the very end, you've got the store employee who gets the PlayStation 2 releases of Stay Alive. During this sequence, there's a Spyro cardboard ward standee behind the employee. While he's walking through, I've put Atari Arcade sound effect, but it's not. It's actually Donkey Kong. The sound effect when you put the coins in that sound is heard as he's walking through but the shop he's in is essentially either in in america a GameStop in the uk game there is no arcade cabinets and there's visually no arcade cabinets so i don't know what's playing that sound effect as he's walking through there's area 51 on the original xbox is advertised on certain cardboard bits around there when he puts the game into a playstation 2 it's a ps2 slim and it has its own controller plugged in and next to it. But on the other side, there's an orange third-party Dreamcast controller. On the in other 2006. side... 2006. Yes, five years after the console died. On the other side, the camera then pans out and up. And during that pan up, next to the on the other side are green and blue third-party Dreamcast controllers. And above it are Game Informer books. Now, they're, they're like the kind of prima guides, I think. But Game Informer was, I think, eventually bought by IGN. So dated that the site doesn't exist anymore. There's a shelf above it, which includes a green Dreamcast controller and a blue Dreamcast controller. Again, both third party. However, the more interesting one is a specific light gun called the Konami Justifier, which is a light blue, like kind of Smith & Wesson style revolver light gun uh, in a baby duck egg blue. Is it me or is there something sinister about naming a toy gun a Justifier? Yes. Essentially, the Konami Justifier light gun in that design came out only for three consoles. The Mega Drive, est-1989. <laughs> the SNES, est-1990 or 91. And the PlayStation 1, est-1995. Basically, that light gun had no reason to be in that store at that time, in 2006. No. And then there was advertisements for Unreal Championship 2, the Leandri Conflict, which is a freaking amazing game on the Xbox. Mm-hmm. I actually love that game. And you can play it on an Xbox One if you have the disc. What's that called, Unreal? Unreal Championship 2, The Leandry Conflict. Separate from Unreal Tournament. Yes. Essentially, Unreal Championship 2 is a game where it's third person. Mm. It's still a deathmatch game. I love the artwork style of it. It's all teal and gold, where it's basically like sci-fi futuristic Egyptian styling. Oh, okay. So it's, it's kind of a really cool aesthetic. I wish they'd bring it back. But yeah, that's all I've got on references. That's basically everything on this film. So, Jamie, you've already stated that you feel it's worse than Super Mario Brothers the movie. You would never watch it again. 
Is there any specifics where you go, I think you'd need to watch this because of this? No. Save yourselves. This... I feel like part of me died when I watched this movie. It is so utterly dull and lifeless. I'm not even going to say it's a bad movie in the sense of Sharknado yep. is bad, but it's entertaining because it's bad. Yep. This is just such a forgettable, bland movie that it deserves to die in the <laughs> dust-covered remnants of the past. And to be honest with you, beyond us resurrecting it like it's the fucking mummy, which may prove to be the biggest mistake of our lives, <laughs> I literally have never heard anyone else ever talk about this film. And when I actually have mentioned to people that we watched it recently, literally no one knew what I was talking about. Uh, no. All my film friends. Now, this is the mm. definition of a film that has been lost to time and deserves to be lost to time. It's interesting as well because your main genre, your favourite genre, is horror. Mm -hmm. You know a lot of people that are really into horror. Mm -hmm. You'd think the first ever horror movie made by Disney would be known in the horror... It's not officially made by Disney. By Buena Vista, I suppose. It's made yeah. through a Disney subsidiary. I think the first horror movie made by Disney what they would call a horror movie Fantasia is um, Nightmare Before Christmas is that Disney? Yeah. that's Tim Burton yeah it's Disney are you sure? Well, it's in Kingdom Hearts so it must be oh, Disney oh ok no fair play um, fair play or um, I mean Black Cauldron was quite no that's horrific. fair enough <clears throat> but I'm t ok so live action then first yeah. live action horror no no there is another one I've got it somewhere Haunted <laughs> Mansion or something oh I know what you mean I still think this came first though yeah. I think Haunted Mansion was 2010s, wasn't it? Being a filmmaker myself and knowing how hard it is to make films, I usually try, unless your name is Paul Anderson, to <laughs> be like, I can see what you're trying to do sort of thing. But I just... You knew there was no imagination, no originality, no attempt to bring something new to the genre. No one will miss this. If no one on planet Earth ever mentions the words stay alive in the same sentence again... No one on earth will miss that. So for my own sake, uh, now, when we did Super Mario Brothers, Jamie was more down on that than I was, though, again, you've just heard him state it's better than this film. At the very least, Jamie could admit that Super Mario Brothers was unique, and that's something that still draws me to Super Mario Brothers, the movie. Stay Alive is not unique. There is... I, I, I couldn't name you a single thing in this that has any form of uniqueness to it. Even the extras, there's, there's on the DVD... There's a game where you have to select three characters with different weapons in the right order, and it will play an extra. And that extra is like a minute and a half long, and it's loads of behind-the-scenes, early CGI shots, design documents, things like that. Stuff that would be interesting if it wasn't going by a million miles a second in that really edgy and freaking monotonously annoying early 2000s style with early 2000s sort of alt-rock soundtrack that's so bland when i put it through shazam shazam went well that could be anything it was, <laughs> it was like oh, all right then it's just it's too generic for shazam to understand even the extras weren't imaginative october's hot but it's not enough to pull a film frankie muniz i like frankie muniz he's all right in the role but he's working with what he's given what he's given isn't good enough i can't think of an environment where this would be a must-watch movie no you got anything else to add no, no, I think we've no. said it all. You want a cream on the floor again? Or are you you're done with your cream? I'm all out. You're all out of cream. Well, Stay Alive officially dried Jamie up, so we're going <laughs> to leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to leave it there. Thank you for joining us today on Video Game, the movie, the podcast. The podcast. Oh, my God, I'm going to have to get used to that. We'll see you next week with a new show. Bye-bye. Bye. Cyberpunk Studios.